We're reading through, uh, this week we read through the second week in our uh, book, The Poets. Um, if you don't have a copy of it, I want to encourage you to go to get a copy before you leave. They're 10 bucks, but if you don't have a copy, if you don't have 10 bucks, you pick one up and we'll just deal with it. How's that? Um, we're reminded in Scripture that all Scripture, uh, well, let's take a look. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Keep that there. God's word is given to us. Sometimes it comes as a form of encouragement. Sometimes it comes as a form of rebuke, a little chastening. Sometimes anybody here ever need to be chastened or rebuked? Do you need a little bit of... Just me? You know, yeah, okay. There are a few who are like this. Others are like, yeah, but don't tell anybody. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. You see, God needs to take us through some things, and he uses his word to do that. And what that does is that equips us. I've had some questions over the past week about why we're reading the Bible this way. Um, For those of you who have not been around, um, this ministry... Um, Immerse is the name of the, the uh, it's a Bible reading challenge that we used to call it. Tyndall House put this out. Um, but they have broken the Bible into six books. These are three of them we've already gone through. We started with Messiah. That's the uh, New Testament, the writings of the apostles. It's the epistles of the apostles. I just like to say that. It's the writings of the apostles. It's the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is uh, Revelation. And you know that if you were around then, we read that first, and that led us right into a one-year study of the book of Revelation we did on a Sunday morning. Nobody thought it was going to take that long, including me, uh, but it did. And then we went through the beginnings, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and we are currently on the poets. Now, we, we had planned this out. We knew right from the beginning it was going to be a three-year process, so we're about a year and a half in to this. Um, we're not rushing through it. But what these authors have done is they've broken up segments of the Bible and they said, well, the history, the, the beginnings, for example, that's the history. Any question that you have about creation, about how God ordained life, all of that history comes in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, honestly. There's so much there. There's more history in the first 11 uh, chapters of Genesis than all of the rest of of uh, recorded time. So we we have that in the book of uh, Genesis there. The reason we wanted to do the poets is because it it covers the emotion of life. How many of you know that life can get emotional? Anybody? Is it just me? Life gets emotional. And sometimes I think we are afraid to show that particularly as men. We, we're trained as boys. You know, you just toughen up. Toughen up, Johnny. Get, you, you get up. You, you, you get up. You do it again. Go ahead. It's a good thing you're tough. And we, we learn to stuff a lot of emotions. Now, we're going to look. Last week, we started in, in praise and the value of praise. And we're going to get back to that this week, uh, today. But... Part of our reading this week was in Lamentations. You know, sometimes we don't know how to express ourselves, right? 
We just don't really know. And what I love about the, the poets, what I love about reading through Psalms and Proverbs and, and Lamentations is you can almost just open it up and go, God, this is part of a picture of my heart. Lamentations, chapter one. It's not on the screen. Don't, you don't have to worry about putting it up on the screen. Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She who was once great among the nations now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of the earth, she is now a slave. You ever felt like, man, my whole world has just collapsed, and I don't think God cares. Well, if God is trying to hide, you see, none of this is in my notes. I just really feel impressed. It's just kind of this morning. We live in a time when we want to make everybody feel good about everything, and we want to use scripture to be kind of fluffy in people's lives and just make everybody feel good. Well, the truth of the matter is, that's not the truth. We all struggle at times. You mean, you mean pastor, that if, if I become a Christian, if I come up there, you're telling me that not all the problems in my world will go away? That's what I'm telling you. Not all the problems in your world will go away. We cannot, I've said it for months, we cannot avoid, avoid difficulties in our life, we can't avoid situations in our life, but we do have the ability to overcome them. You can't avoid them, they're gonna come at you, but by the Spirit of God, we can overcome them. We continue on in Lamentations. This, I'm just jumping down a few verses. The road to Jerusalem are in mourning. The crowds no longer come to celebrate the festivals. The city gates are silent. The priests groan. Her young women are crying. How bitter her fate. If God was trying to, in scripture, if God is just trying to say, you accept me and everything's gonna be good, we'd have to eliminate the book of Lamentations. We'd have to eliminate half of the Psalms, half of probably every Psalm. Because David generally starts out, woe is me. You remember hee Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, he knows it. Whoa. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Boy, I can't believe that's stuck in my head all these years. <laughs> I've seen, seen hee in 35 years. Right? But, but we, we, we want to pretend that everything is just good. And Scripture actually tells us just because you don't acknowledge a problem doesn't mean that the problem is not there. The truth of the matter is we will all go through struggles and we will all go through difficulties. And what I just love so much as we're reading through Lamentations this week is that God is not trying to hide that. God is not saying, oh, don't worry about anything. Everything's just going to be smooth sailing as soon as you accept me. It's just not true. It's just not true. We all face struggles. And our world is filled with struggles. We're worshiping this morning. And I can't seem to get out of my head. The prodigal son. Here's a young man who has it all. Dad's rich. He's got it all. He's got a big farm. And all of a sudden there are two sons. One son comes to the father and says, Dad, I want a third of your wealth. Actually, what he's saying is, I want my half of the farm. Give me my half of the farm. I, I think I have a better way in life. Anybody ever said that? Keep your arm down. It's okay. But he took a third of his father's wealth or his half of the inheritance, and the Bible says that he went off and he spent it on wine, women, and song. Again, keep your hands down. 
Don't need to know. But in verse, in verse 17, it's in uh, Luke chapter 15 and verse 17. Jesus is teaching here, and he says, when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he's starving. He's eating out of a, out of a pig trough. He's feeding pigs for a living because he's burned through all of his dad's cash. He's burned through all of his dad's money. He's, he's wasted it all. He's squandered it all. And now for a, a Jew to even be close to pigs is bad enough. But now he's not only feeding pigs for a living, but he's making his abode with them, sleeping with the swine, and he's eating out of the same trough that they're eating out of. And he finally has to come to his senses. I'm afraid in life, a lot of us have to get to the point where we're, we're just down that bloody low that we look around. He says here, how many of my father's hired men, his hired men, his, just the guys that work for my pops, have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. He came to a census, so he said, I'm going to set out on a path, and I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to say to him, I love this. I just love this. I love this. He said, I'm going to say to my dad, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men so I can... Uh, so he got up and he went to his father. He's rehearsing this. He's all the way home. He's walking home and he's like, you know what? I'm going to tell my dad how sorry I am. I'm going to tell him that I've sinned. I need to tell him. I need to tell him how sorry. And you know what? I know his guy's got more. I, all I need him to do, I can just see him. All I need to do is just have, see if dad will hire me. I just need to see if he'll hire me. I just, I've been such a scoundrel. I just can't believe how bad I've been. I just can't, I can't believe, I just can't believe what I've done. I just can't believe it. I can't believe what I've done this. And I got to go back. I got to go back. He's rehearsing this whole thing. You ought to read it. You ought to read it. Because the Bible says, a little bit later, his father was looking for him. His father's standing on the on steps on the farm going, man, someday Johnny's going to come home. I know he is. I know he's going to come home. I just know he is. He's looking. He's, he's looking. He's looking for his son. And the Bible says, while he was still a long ways off, how many of you have recognized your child just by the way they walk sometimes? You know how they walk. You know their cadence. You know how they walk. You go, That's got to be him. And the father is a long ways off. The boy's a long ways off. And the father recognizes him. And the Bible says that the father runs out to meet him, wraps his arms around him, hugs him. It's the kid, this poor kid, read the story. The kid's like, Dad, I, 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 I got my apologies. Please let me. And his dad's like, nope. Gives him a hug. No, you don't need to apologize. No, I love you. Throws his, throws his robe on him. Gives him his robe. Prized possession. Prized possession. You got a $1,000 suit jacket? Nothing compared to a father's robe. Throws his robe on him. Brings him back. Throws a party. That which was dead has now come back to life. Why? Because the son came to his senses. You see, I'm so... I'm so uh, concerned, so frustrated 
by the way the church has led people to believe that everything's going to be just, just roses and unicorns, butterflies and unicorns. As soon as you accept Jesus, it's going to be butterflies and unicorns and you're never going to have a problem. And as soon as you have a problem and you don't have a way to express it, we run off and we go, this whole God thing must not have worked. I must have done it wrong or God's not real. God's not, there's something wrong in this. And, and the word, if we get into the word, we read that the children of Israel cried out and they said, we're having problems, God. We're having problems. They lamented. They, they mourned. I'm here to tell you, if you're having struggles in your walk with Jesus, A, don't think that's odd. Okay? Don't think that that's odd. Like, but, but pastor, I'm really struggling. So did all of the Old Testament and most of the New Testament. And some of those guys got persecuted to their faith because of their faith so bad that they were actually martyred. Don't be surprised that you're having struggles in your faith. It's okay. Do you want to get stuck in that? No, you don't want to get stuck in that. But there are words in Scripture that help us lament our struggles, help us lament those stupid decisions that we've made. Sometimes you know, right? Sometimes you know that the struggles you face are not nearly so much as the devil picking on you as what's called sowing and reaping. I planted a seed of idiocy and it came back on me tenfold. I behaved like a moron and guess what? I got all these moronic things happening to me. Why is that? It's because I sowed stupid seeds. My son Caleb would say, if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Right? And sometimes it takes a whole bucket load of stupid prizes before we come to our senses. Right? Or maybe it's just me. I don't think so. I don't think so. But God, in his great wisdom even gives us a way to cry out in our lament and say, you know what? It's not just you. A whole nation experienced this type of lament. You have the ability. I've just seen so many times we want to, we don't want to open ourselves up to something bad, so we're not going to say anything bad happens in our life. Well, guess what? Sometimes bad stuff happens in our life. And we need to lament that. We need to cry about it. We need to have times where we just go, you know what, God, I'm, I'm struggling. I remember standing in a church in Hibbing. I had been the associate pastor. I uh, uh, took a job, and the job had me out of the house a lot. I would leave Sunday afternoons, and I wouldn't come back oftentimes till Friday night or Saturday sometimes. And it was, it was tearing me up, and I had to, to step down as the associate pastor. And I remember during a worship service standing in the back of church just crying out to God. And the passage of scripture that came to me was a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways and I realized that I could not take a step anywhere in my spiritual walk. I was just paralyzed because I either felt like I was I was not doing my job, the, the, the job that I had taken, or I was not honoring God. And I just, I stood there just like, just paralyzed because it was money on one side and it was serving the Lord on the other side. And I had to actually step away from that position as an associate pastor for a number of months, sort of. 
And then I ended up quitting that job because that job was taking me away from my family. It was taking me away from what God had called me to do. And somewhere along the line, I came to my senses. Somewhere along the line, I had the ability to cry out to God and say, I need help. I don't have it together. I don't have it together. I'm afraid most of us want to look so together all the time that we're afraid to say, God, I need your help. I, I'm, I've made a mess. I'm lost. I need help. Do you know as Christians we can need help? Did you know that? I'm going to get back to my notes. I'm going to start on my notes. I'm not getting back to anything. I'm going to start my notes. Last week we began to look at praise. You see, I think this all fits in here. What do we do when we get in the middle of that lament? It's sometimes we get stuck there. I just told somebody the other day, it's like getting stuck in a ditch. You back up into the ditch and there's all kinds of action going around. Going on. Man, the wheels, they're just going everywhere. Action everywhere. Snow is flying. Uh, you get down to grass. Things are spinning. All kinds of action. We're just not moving anywhere. Right? When we're stuck, we can get stuck in that lament. We can get stuck in that place. But if you watch through the Psalms, David starts in this place where there's mud and there's mire and there's snow and we're, we're stuck. And all of a sudden, he begins to gain traction and he begins to, to gain traction. How does he do it? By praising. He confesses his fault. He confesses his lament. He confesses his struggle. But then he, he doesn't stay there. God, this is the problem that I, my enemies, they are all surround. You can, you can pop open a psalm anywhere and you can see David's struggle. He starts out with his struggle all the time. Uh, here, 61. Oh God, listen to my cry. Hear my prayer from the ends of the earth. I cry to you for help. How does he end that same, that same chapter? I will sing praises to your name forever. I will fulfill my vows to you every day. It's fine to lament. It's fine to have struggle. As a matter of fact, I encourage it because if we don't, we bury that garbage in there and we never get it out. Sometimes you just need to throw up. If you ever just been that sick, you're telling yourself, man, if I could just throw up, it'd be all better. Sometimes we just need to get that garbage out. But once you get it out, don't stay there. Now we have to replace that with praise. Now we have to get in front of God and we have, to, we, have to, we have to open up. Last week we began to look at the poets and we began looking at Psalms, that first part of Psalm 34. David begins with, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Always. I will extol him. We looked at that. That means to praise enthusiastically. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Can we get enthusiastic about praising the Lord? What about a good, whoo? You know how to do that. We can do that. Well, we're Norwegian. We can't do that. We're German. We can't do that. Shelly was wearing a shirt this morning. I think it said, I identify with being born again. How about that? How about that? I identify with being a Christian. I identify with being an overcomer. We don't have to get stuck in that mud. 
I said last week that the reasons that we're supposed to pray, number one is God has wired us to be praisers. We are by nature praisers. Number two, he has commanded us to praise. If you'll recall, I said that's often where we get off track is because we're wired for praise and yet we begin to praise the wrong stuff. We get messed up. God's goal right from the beginning for us is that we should praise him. But if we don't have somebody to raise us up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, we wonder why we got all these things in our life that we're so happy about. We're praising all these things instead of praising God. Well, guess what? We got off on the wrong track. But God says it's time to get back on track. Why don't we just praise God? Why do we get that so messed up? I think it's sometimes it's because of a lack of understanding. I mean, you think about it. Well, God's, God's God. If God's really God, then what does he need my praise for? I don't know if you've ever heard of Frederick Nietzsche. Frederick Nietzsche from the late 1800s. He was one of the first existentialists, and he got stuck in this. Nietzsche said, I cannot believe in a God who wants to be praised all the time. Like God's got a problem. Nietzsche was actually the son of a Lutheran pastor. And he got this understanding or this this misunderstanding of this truth and it drove him away from God. Clear back in the 1800s, he he was one of the guys who's first quoted as saying, God is dead. You see that in his writings. He's had tremendous influence in the atheism throughout time. And it's because of this issue. So why does God need our praise? Let me tell you the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is God is all sufficient and he does not need your praise. He commands it, but he does not need it. He doesn't need our praise any more than you or I need a preschooler to make a Christmas card or an art project so we can put it on our refrigerator. I do not need that. Right? I don't. That is not what I need to sustain life. I don't need that. But I got to tell you, it sure warms my heart. We got a bunch of them on our refrigerator. We've had a bunch over time. I know one mom, she used to take all the stuff that her kids would bring home, she'd put all the art projects on the refrigerator, she'd back up and take a picture of it so that she could take those off and put fresh ones on. But she never missed a one, she always had a, why? Why? Because it fills us, it warms us. We love that. Is there a grandparent out here who does not want an art project from their grandkids? You, you don't dare raise your hand because I got you in a spot, right? People are going to like, wow, what are you, a Grinch? We love that stuff, but do we need it? No. Here's the deal. We miss the value of praise. We we misunderstand it. It's not like God needs it. He does require it, and we're going to look at why in just a minute. I think another thing, that another issue, another reason that we do not praise God naturally is we have never developed that habit we've never developed that language that skill set if you'd want to develop a language of praise read through the psalms you will learn he's given us he just just it's like david saying repeat after me just repeat after me 
Repeat up, I will praise you at all times. I will extol you. You're like, I don't know what to say to God. Start out with Psalm 34. I will extol you at all times. And if you don't feel like it, do it anyhow. What does the Bible call it? A sacrifice of praise. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Sometimes it's a sacrifice. I might wake up in the morning and not really feel like praising the Lord. You know what I should do? I should extol the Lord at all times. Right? But we've not learned that. We've not been trained in that. A child does not automatically thank grandma and grandpa. I, I, I shared this last week, but I watched it. Caleb and Joanna, they're getting ready to go after Christmas. And Caleb's got, got Titus in his arms. And he's looking at Titus, and Titus has got his Christmas present in his hand. And Caleb puts him down, and he says, go tell grandma and grandpa thank you. Titus runs over, thank you for the present. At first, I think he said, no, I don't want to. And Caleb said, too bad. Go do it. So he comes over and he thanked us. We have to learn that. We have to learn it. You go, you know what, I'm really not comfortable. Too bad. It's not about you. It is, actually, it is about you. You'll see that in just a minute. It is about us. But we need to praise God. He, he made us praisers and he commands us to praise. That's what we talked about last week. We said last re- week that the reasons that we don't praise is we, A, we lack understanding, but we don't have a relationship with God and we've not been trained. If you want those two points, you get last week's tape. If we never say thank you to people who do nice things for us, we show ourselves to be entitled, selfish, spoiled adults. You would never back up. You'd never be parked in this front door and you'd back up until you put your car in the, in the ditch and come in and ask for help and I'd get out there and I'd hook up my tow, wrap, my tow rope and I'd pull you out of there. You'd never even think about driving away without saying thank you. Would you? We'd never even consider that. Or would we? But think about what God has done in our lives. We consider that just in the physical. Imagine what's taken place in the spiritual. He's redeemed our soul from hell. And our response? I don't really like singing. I'm not really a worshiper. Really? You better check because your chair might be sitting on a trap door. Really? He just redeemed your soul from hell. You've just been saved. Saved from what? Saved from the wrath of God. And we don't think that's worthy of us praising him? Even though he created us to be praisers, he commanded us to praise, and he is, he is, he is absolutely unequivocally worthy of our praise. We stick our nose in the air and go, I'm not really sure I like to do that. And the songs that the worship team chose this morning, they weren't that good anyhow. I said it before, I'll say it again. They weren't worshiping you, so get over it. I don't really like those songs. You're not the one being worshiped. 
What does the Bible say? At the end of times, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Well, guess what? I say it's, let's beat the rush. Let, let's not wait till the end. It's too late then anyhow. Let's bend our knee. Let's confess that he is Christ. Let's worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We need to develop this praise language. I think it's, it's, it's undeveloped because we don't practice it. Well, people would think I'm weird. You are weird. The Bible actually says we're peculiar. We're peculiar people because we understand what it means to be set free by the King of kings and by the Lord of lords. We understand what it means to have a father come running off a porch a long ways away, wrap his arms around us, and celebrate the fact that we've come back to him. We've got that on our side. You are a peculiar people. If somebody says you're weird, they're right. And it's okay. You can be weird. I remember one time I was whistling a song. I just have this bad habit. I whistle a song. It was a worship song. And some guy in my electronics class or electrical maintenance at school said, who whistled that? I'm like, what? You know, was that you? I mean, what? Well, was that you whistling? I'm like, I don't know. Was I whistling? <laughs> well, don't deny it. I don't deny it. I'm just ignorant. What are you talking about? Well, you were whistling a worship song. Probably, I don't know. And it turned out about 15 minutes later I was doing it again. And he's like, it is you. Like, okay, what, what am I doing wrong? Well, I recognize that song. I can't believe you're whistling that here. I'm like, why not? Should God's praise not flow out of us in such a way that we're almost unaware of it? I mean, think about this. Think about this. He, he's made us praisers. We will praise our kids. We'll praise our stinking dog. Throw a stick and he brings, oh, good buddy, you did a good job. Oh, good, 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 good. But God sets us free from something and we're like, oh, I'm, I don't sing. That's just not me, pastor. I don't praise. Yes, you do. You praise something. You praise something. You see how fast I got the car going this week. Whoa, man, I handled that corner. Ah, it was great. You're praising something. How about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Amen. How about that? God wired us for praise. He commanded us to praise. He deserves our praise. He deserves our praise. Psalms 103, verse 1. I will... 103 verse 1 praise the Lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name David again he's talking to himself praise the Lord my soul and, and forget not his benefits you, you ever got to wonder why you got to praise the Lord just think about the benefits just think about the fact that he sets you free Randy think about the fact that you don't have to walk around guilty for all the sin in your life isn't that an amazing thing? Don't forget his benefits. And then he goes on to list a few. Who forgives you all of your sins. He heals all of your diseases. How many? I just, we just did a funeral for, for Mike yesterday. Michael J. Uh, and, and, and I was thinking, I wasn't thinking about it. It just came to me during the service. I was like, can you imagine 
This guy now, the Bible says that Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I'd tell you, but I'm going to come back then, and I'm going to take you back to Because in my father's house, there are many mansions. So, so Mike Deloria, a few days ago, went from this, this rumpled up old body that was struggling. He could hardly breathe. He could hardly move. And he got to go and stand before Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, in all of his splendor, in all of his glory, completely healed, completely delivered, set free from all the pain, and I can almost imagine, I can just almost imagine him standing before Jesus, and Jesus is kind of there like, okay, let me take you to your mansion. You're really going to like this. I've been off building you a place. You're really going to like this. Remember how you liked that one room and that one, well, look, look, look at this, look at this. And we've got bathrooms on every floor, every bed. I mean, I know Jesus is not a realtor and he's not out trying to sell property, but he made him a, a mansion. He made him a mansion, right? Four people believe that. He was, he, scripture says, I'm gonna go and prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would tell you, he actually prepared a place for Mike. Amen? And there is a place that's prepared for you as well. Don't forget your benefits. Don't forget your benefits. He heals you. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. That is the short list. Right? He gives us love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness. That we get just from hanging out with him. You don't even have to struggle for that. That's just for hanging out with him. The Bible says that is the fruit of the Spirit. That is the result of being in his presence. You can walk around with love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, meekness, temperance. You get to walk around with all of that. Or... You can choose not to do any of that and go ahead and look in Galatians chapter 5 and see what the fruit of the flesh is. Bitterness, envy, selfishness. It goes on and on. How, how do we want to live our life? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. David's given himself a pep top. Be a praiser. God is not so egocentric that he needs our praise He's not like up there going, well, boys, if you don't do this, well, the wrath of God's coming down on you. That's not it. He enjoys our praise because of relationship. He wants to be in fellowship with us. I, I, I can't do that. You're, you're shutting the door. You're closing the door on relationship with God. The fourth reason is actually the one that gets me the most. Okay, I've hit three of them, I think. I don't know. But the fourth one is the one that kind of gets me the most. God enjoys, and I believe he requires our praise because he knows that it will actually ricochet back on our lives. When you praise God, you are the one who gets the benefit. And let me tell you how that happens. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, given it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We always think of that as money. We think of it as money, we think of it as our time, talent, and our resources. If you're really a creative preacher, you can get to that. 
But I'm telling you, I believe that it's even in our relationships. We begin by praising God and it establishes intimacy with God. Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know, 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 know that the Lord is God. You get to, through praise, you get to know who God is. It is he who made us. We are the, his people. We are the sheep of his pastor. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We give thanks to him and praise him for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations. And you and I, by praising him, get to tap into that and get to know who he is we get to walk in that do you believe that I could find out we could do a test we could do a test you can do your own test all you got to do is just see how much praise is coming out of your mouth this week and it'll be a test as to see just how much of that you really believe as we have the opportunity to get to know God. Now we can choose uh, to sit on Facebook and watch reels for four hours or we could choose to watch a gold rush or we could choose to watch some car show or we could choose to go and spend all of our time, waste all of our time on A, B, C, and D or we can get into his word and we say, God, I really need to know who you are. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You start reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You start reading through. If you've never, ever taken the time to read through the book of John, not this whole book, just the book of John. Just read. John was one of Jesus' best friends. You want to know what it looks like to become best friends with Jesus? You start reading in the book of John about we're supposed to abide with him. If you ever want to ask Jesus a question and you ever want to ask him for something and you never want him to turn you down, there's a way to do that. The Bible says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you ask what you will and it'll be done for you. Why is that? Because all of a sudden you'll know him at a level that you're asking for what he wants to do in your life. It's not that difficult. Pastor, God doesn't answer any of my prayers. We're probably asking the wrong things. I can guarantee if you start out asking for the lottery every week, it's probably not the right prayer. I remember when I was in Mexico, the first time I ever went to Mexico. We had a church service. I can't understand a word. We've got an interpreter who's whispering in my ears every now and again. At the end of the service, the pastor asks, this is an altar call. People come on up and, and we're talking we're talking poverty. Like the place where we were living, the house across the street from us, every morning about 5 o'clock, they'd kick open the gates and they would kick out the donkey and they'd kick out the, the cow and a couple of pigs and the, roost, the chickens. They'd kick them all out into the streets because the, 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 they were living in the house. They'd kick open the doors and they'd kick all the animals out. And if you were going to fence off property, you just fenced off something you didn't want the animals to get in. You didn't fence them off an area to keep your animals in. You didn't have anything. You just fenced off the area you didn't want the animals, the stray animals, to go and eat. So you'd just get enough to fence off your garden. This is the poverty. There was the town that we were building a church and had one toilet. 
but you had to go and draw water from the well in order to dump water into the toilet so you could flush the toilet. Okay, it's poverty. It's poverty. And at the end of the service, this little lady comes up. She's just four foot nothing. Her hair is just like, looks like an explosion in a steel wool factory. Turns out she's blind. She's got a stick. She's getting her way up to the front. And I'm doing whatever I can to get over to our interpreter. As I'm thinking, man, we're going to see a miracle here. We're going to see a miracle here. And so I'm, I'm, I'm scrouched over to our interpreter. And I said, what's, what's she asking for? And he said, she's, she's asking for patience. You think God's going to give her patience? She wants to be in his presence. She wants to know who he is. She wants him to run his character through her life. God, would you please show yourself in my life so that I can be more patient? I think that's a prayer that God answered. The second thing about this is God wants to establish. His, his praise comes back to us. One of the ways that it comes back is by intimacy. Another thing that comes back to us is it helps us to live out. It prepares us to live out our purpose. Part of our purpose in life is to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How many of us Can we say that of ourselves? If you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. I can't say that. Someday I'd like to get to where I can say that, but I can't say that. I believe I've met some of those people in my life. I believe I have. We're supposed to be a reflection of Christ. Psalms chapter 34, uh, verse 2 says, I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let, I want to, David's saying, I want to glory in the Lord so much. I want to extol him always so that the afflicted hear me and they begin to rejoice too. I want to be such a reflection of Jesus that when people around me hear me, even if they're afflicted, even if they're having struggle, even if they're sick, even if they're lost, even if they've got pain in their life, even if they've got troubles, even if they've lost their house and their car and their dog, it sounds like a good country song. If they've gone through all of that, they hear me rejoice so much, they're like, you know what, I got to do that too. I just need to thank God. I need to thank God. That's what he's saying. Help me become a praiser to the degree that people around me don't want to praise God. I believe this is what happens when we testify, when we share about the glories of God, the things. In West Africa, there's a cranberry-like fruit. I just read this the other day. I haven't done a whole lot of research on it. It's called the sweet berry or the miracle fruit. The, the inside, the meat of that fruit contains this molecule and it actually, when you eat it, that molecule binds to the human tongue so that after you eat this fruit, it temporarily changes your taste buds so that everything you eat tastes sweet. Cucumbers taste sweet. Celery tastes sweet. Sour tastes sweet, bitter 
tastes sweet. Broccoli and onions, bring it on. They taste sweet. Well, guess what? That's the way it is with the human tongue. When you and I, we have the power, the Bible says we have the power of life and death in our tongue. When we praise, when we rejoice, when we testify, you have the ability by the confession of your mouth to change the world around you, to change the atmosphere around, to change how others think about life. They might laugh at you at first. They might. But they crucified our Savior, right? So I guess I really don't care if they laugh at me. You actually have the ability to change. I've, I've shared this story a hundred times. When I worked at American Linen, the guy there said, well, I hope you don't have sensitive ears because I swear a lot. By the end of my seven-year run with him, more than once I saw him slam his finger, God bless it! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did he believe it? He was getting there. You know how I was getting, how I know that? Because his mouth changed. And the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He might have been struggling with the balance of it, but he was getting it. A tongue filled with praise in the midst of struggle, in the midst of bitterness. A tongue filled with praise is going to, to bring about peace. It's going to bring about joy. It's going to bring about life. You can choose to act like Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore. Well, I guess everything's going to be just fine. Or we can actually be a wellspring of life. Guess who makes that choice? What am I going to let come out of my mouth? Here's the next thing here is that Praising God gives us a different perspective. Psalm 34 and 4. That's where we started this whole thing out was in Psalm 34. Psalm 34 and 4. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. Do we get that? Because I think if we got that, it would change the way that we live our lives. I think it would change the way we live our lives. We'd start watching what comes out. We'd, we'd pray to him. We'd praise him. We'd get to know him. Why? Because he's changing our lives. Sometimes we walk in these situations so close that we need to back up and get a bigger picture. We need to back up and be, so, so I got a problem with my finances. I got myself there. God, you can get me out. I got a problem with my health. God, I, I got a problem. I need you to help deliver me. You can free me. You can set me free from this. And if I'm in a right spot, even if this old tent dies, falls apart, burns to the ground, I still am gonna spend the rest of eternity with you forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's get that right. Right? We, we, praise comes back on us. If you begin to praise the Lord in the midst of your difficulties, what's going to happen is you're going to realize just how small your problem is compared to the God of the universe who spoke and stars came into existence. We begin to tell our, our, our instead of telling God how big our problems are, we begin to tell our problems how big our God is. 
You know, like, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle. I think about this, okay? I think about this. I think about this. I'm just going to say it, okay? I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I'm not trying. But I think about this with, our, with some of the guys who come here from the jail, okay? I'm not putting anybody on the spot. But guess what? They know how much time they've got to spend in jail. They, they, they can get so stuck in that. Oh, poor me. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I got to do oh. Or else they can say, you know what? We're going to choose to worship God and watch him. I had a friend who went to prison. His sentence was 12 years. And he ended up doing eight years of it because of good behavior he got out on the last four. He told me after I was the one who confronted him on his sin, I'm actually the guy who took him to the police station and he had a knife in his pocket and I had a knife in my pocket. And I'm like, dude, I got a knife in my pocket. He's like, so do I. I'm like, well, give me yours. I'll take a little bit of heat if I have to. But he went to jail, and he didn't come out of that prison system for 12 years. And he told me a year in, he said, I'm freer now than I've been in the last 10 years because I finally admitted my sin, and I finally have turned to God. He was freer in jail than he was when he was walking out on the streets continuing to commit sin. Look, this comes back on us. It changes our perspective. Praise will give you intimacy with God. It will give you purpose. It will, it will change your perspective. And the final result is this. The final result, at least for this sermon, is God completes our joy in praise. Psalm 34, verses four and five. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. C.S. Lewis wrote this about joy. He said, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the joy. The delight is incomplete unless it's expressed. How many of you have ever driven down Highway 34 in the fall of the year, right out in front of the Erie Town Hall is that fantastic oak tree. It is vibrant, right? Oak, maple, what is it? Maple, because it's Jim and Jane's tree, right? Or it's right by their place. It's fantastic. Do you know when my, when my joy is the most complete? It's not when I see that tree. That's cool. You know what's most complete? When I tell somebody about it. Did you see it? Did you see the tree? It's amazing. It just, it just completes. My, have you ever seen calves in the springtime? You let calves out of the barn, and they take off, and they're bucking and kicking and carrying on? That's great. I love watching that. You know when I really love to watch it? It's when I got my grandkids with me. Look at them. Look at them jump. Look at them. Our joy is fulfilled when we get to share it with somebody else. You ever hear a really good joke? You're a good joke. It's just great. You just just love it. It's not nearly as good as when you get to retell it. You get somebody else to laugh with you, right? I I watched a movie one time. The movie was Speed. And the, the, there's a mad bomber in there. And, and he says this. He gives this phrase. I don't have it exact. But he said, the bomb, is not, uh, 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 the bomb has not fulfilled its purpose until it explodes. It's not really a bomb until it explodes, right? It's not complete. I don't think we're entirely complete in our joy until we express it. You, you can have that joy. But when you begin to express it, 
all of a sudden it just comes to life in us. It comes alive. Now you have a choice. We can do that. You can walk around filled with joy. You can walk around expressing that joy. We can walk around with a peace that, there, that this is, is overwhelming, a peace that supersedes all understanding. Or we can walk around as a Christian looking like we've just sucked on a lemon. We have that choice. You have that choice every day. You can make that choice. And the determining factor, as I read it here, is the determining factor is really about what are we going to do? Are we going to praise him in the midst of our struggle? Are we going to praise him when, when things are going well? Are we going to praise him at all times? Are we going to extol his virtue? Are we going to enthusiastically praise him? Or are we going to go, huh, that's okay. That's all right. It's our choice. Like, well, pastor, you just want a bunch of people jumping up and down in church. No, I want a bunch of people who are enthusiastic for Christ and they're so exuberant about it that they will, in the midst of difficulties, praise the Lord and let that person next to them know that there's a better way. That's what I want for us. I want us to live out the fullness of that joy because there's going to come a time in all eternity when we're going to stand before the throne room of God and we're going to worship. And it's going to be good. You might as well practice that now. Right? Yes. Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, I just thank you each for each person here. We thank you for the joy that we have in you. We thank you for the life that we have in you. We thank you, God, that you give us the ability to praise you. You've created us to be praisers. Now help us to get it, God, in the right order where we're praising you first and foremost. Let that be the thing that comes off of our lips first is praise for you. Praise for you, not fake Not fake, God, we want our heart to be so turned towards you that the first thing that we think of in every situation is the praise of Almighty God, the one who created us, the one who knows the beginning from the end, the one who knows how the struggle is going to end, the one who knows our future. He knows us, and you've invited us to come in and to know you, to get in in an intimate relationship with you so that we begin to know your heart. Jesus said, I call you friends. You're no longer servants. I call you friends. A servant doesn't know the master's business, but a friend does. God, I pray that we would employ praises to you in such a way that we would develop a friendship where we'd get to know who you are and who you've created us to be in Jesus' name. Amen? Leave this place praising. That's a choice that you have today.